When you're hosting a podcast, you've probably, although not always, got guests. Guest wrangling, as we sometimes like to call it, can be a bit of a challenge. It's a time in the process and in your workflows when all of your systems and your needs are banging up against somebody else's calendar and systems and everyone's associated team and all the people who are involved in the process. It can be a little difficult to get all of the information you need while also creating a really good experience in a way that is as efficient as possible. But while it's challenging, it's also an amazing opportunity to be building the foundation of a great relationship that you can use to you know, expand your professional network, just connect with people, have a lot of fun and grow your business. My guest today calls this the dance between the host and the guest. Jason Sarcone is an expert in guest management, in pitching, and in building authority through podcast guesting. And he's joining me today to talk about all of the different parts in a podcast workflow where you as the host are going to be interacting with the guest and how to make sure that the relationship and the ultimate product that you create is going to be as good as possible for everyone concerned. It's all happening today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. And hello. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you, Jason, for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. So as I mentioned at the top, what we're going to be doing today is kind of running down uh, the different kind of pre-recording, recording, and post-recording elements of being a host and hosting a podcast and the relationship that you're having with your guest. And Jason, you are a particular expert in the guest experience. Uh, would you fill everyone in a little bit on kind of what you do and how you got into it? Absolutely. So I started podcasting originally back in 2015. It was more of just a, let's do this. Let's see how it is. It really didn't have a business angle in mind. I just felt like everybody was getting into podcasting, so I should too, right? So me and my best friend started a show, took that as far as we could. And then I started a second show on my own. And after a few episodes, realized that I was really loving the podcasting world, but I wanted to get better and learn more about how everything works how do podcasters, other personalities speak to the camera, speak to the microphone? So I ended up taking a year and a half off. I canceled that podcast and just went into study mode. Got very analytical with how I would watch the news or listen to the radio and listen to other podcasts. And I, I feel it helped develop my skill set just in the art of conversation and understanding more about the communication aspect of podcasting. And when I dove back in, it was much more of a smooth ride. And... I ended up helping a friend launch a podcast. He came to me wanting to pick my brain, knowing I had been doing it for a few years. And from there, a business was born. I realized that he was probably not the only one that needed that type of assistance. So I started reaching out to some other businesses and things started to grow from there. And probably about a year and a half, to two years ago, I really got focused on the guesting side of things because I feel that it's a dance between host and guest, and the more value a podcast guest can bring to the microphone and the more they're prepared to bring value to the host and to the audience, the better the content's going to be, and then it's more of a win-win-win for everybody involved. Host, guest, and audience all benefit when there's preparation, there's good chemistry, and there's preparation on both sides so the best type of content can all come together. So in a nutshell, I help people do that on a much bigger scale and help them maximize that to build their brand and establish thought leadership in their niche. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, so we, we produce a lot of podcasts and we really focus on podcasts that are supporting existing businesses. Uh, and there are different types of podcasts and many of them, most of them, I would say, tend to involve guest conversations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a, a typical 
really, really bare bones workflow for how you're going to get a guest on your podcast. You're going to invite someone or they're going to pitch you. You're going to get on each other's calendars by some means. You're going to record the call and hopefully you're going to notify your guest when your episode is live. That's really the absolute bare minimum of what you can do when you are hosting someone. And uh, Jason, you and I have collaborated over the last uh, couple of weeks on a, a, a rubric, basically, for how to evaluate how you're doing as a host and maybe the different areas you can add a little more to that process to make it better for the guest and you know, better for yourself and better for your audience. Easy. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So we've got kind of three main characters. There's before the call, there's the call itself, and then there is after the call. So starting with before the call. Uh, let's say you've got your guest, you know who they're going to be. What's the first thing you should do as a host? You're like, this person needs to be on my podcast. What are you going to do first? Are you going to race to the email or? <laughs> I think it really depends on what you're most comfortable with in regards to communication. You know, as we have just entered into 2023, as we sit and record today, I came into this year saying I wanted to get back into phone calls. I feel like that was a big part of my past, but more over the last couple of years, technology has made it easier with texting and DMs and all of these things. So personally, I like to pick up the phone and I think it's going to be a slow process because so many people are trained to see a phone call coming in and go, ah, I don't want to answer the phone. Text me. Yeah. So. I'm trying to picture how I would react to someone calling me on the phone. Right. To invite I know. It's, I it, it, it's, My parents it's strange, call me on the phone without notice. <laughs> yeah. So to answer your question, Megan, I think it, it really... It, it comes down to, of course, understanding if that person is going to be a good fit. And sometimes that can't be discovered without having that initial conversation first. But if you like the cut of their jib, maybe you heard them on another podcast, you've looked at their profiles, looked at their website, you feel like they'd be a good fit. Make that first connection. Don't get overly salesy with it, but make that outreach and say, listen, I heard you on so-and-so podcast. I really loved what you had to say about X, Y, and Z. This is the type of content that I focus on with my podcast. I'd love to bring you on as a guest. Are you still looking to get yourself onto other shows? Something as simple as that can get the conversation going and then take it from there. But typically you don't have to go much harder than that because most people, if they are a guest on one show, they're more than likely to bring that expertise to another podcast as long as it aligns with their objectives as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, will you be on my podcast is such an easy yes. Um, yeah, and I think you know, kind of you touched on it a little bit, but one of the the key things to do as you're you're planning your editorial calendar is figuring out you know who are the people I need to talk to for my show's purpose, mm. uh, and you know maybe if you're trying to build like a professional relationships with people, you want to talk to other complementary experts in your space. Maybe if you're having an audience engagement show, you know what does your audience need to know that you don't know, and finding those people and bringing them on to get the information out, uh, and then that leadership show. You know, have someone uh, with whom can I have a sophisticated conversation about this topic? Yep. Um, and I know how, how we met on one of the uh, the podcast guest matching services. Mm -hmm. I think our first conversation was on Podmatch. Right. Yeah, there's so many different outlets out there. And most guests are working with one, two, three, sometimes even more. And they have their profiles in place so people can discover them in a multitude of different ways. So if they're going to that extent to get their, get themselves out there, if they fit, more than likely they're going to say yes. It won't be that much of a hard sell. It, it's a low-risk message yes. to send. You know, you're not, you're not really putting yourself out there too much. 
Absolutely. Perfect. So that's kind of the the you know initial research and, and connection. Let's talk about you know preparing for the show. What as the host um, should you be giving to guests to get them ready to to join you on a, a performance or presentation? This is a big part, and I know that it, it's going to vary from podcast to podcast, but there are some fundamentals that I think all podcasters should have in place. So you want to make sure that you're creating the most warm and welcoming environment for that podcaster. General rule of thumb, and this is to this is not to take down anybody's experience or how much they podcasted before, but when I'm speaking to a guest, in my mind, I'm thinking this is their first podcast ever. Let's just act that way. So as I'm explaining some of the benefits and, and, and things that they're going to get from my show and also things that I'll need, I'm, it allows me to be more thorough. And if they've heard it a thousand times, they've heard it a thousand times, but maybe there's something in there that they've never heard before and they've never thought about before. So I try to make sure that on that front end, that first initial preparation conversation is making sure they understand that a microphone would be fantastic, please. Some podcasts will not bring you on if you don't have a microphone. And I applaud that because they care about their audio quality enough that if you're going to try to speak into an internal microphone and it's not going to sound good, they don't want to expose their audience to that. So I know some hosts who will just send a mic to someone who doesn't have one. That's another. What a lovely move that is. Isn't that nice? It is. As long as you can trust that person to send it back when they're done, I think that's a great gift. Oh, as a gift. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's even better. That's that's a phenomenal approach. And I think that's, wish I would have thought of that because that's a great step to make sure somebody has a microphone and you can actually get pretty good microphones at a low cost. So. Yeah, and it's a great relationship builder too because yeah. it, it's so considerate. It's like, no, I want you to sound good. I want you know, people to be distracted by yeah. by your audio, and you can use this again and again when you go out. I think it, it's a really lovely gesture to make. I and agree so, with you. What we're talking a little bit is is, is a prep call, basically, mm-hmm. and there is um, some some you know there's a lot of variance in how people do it. Some people like to just jump onto a, a call and have it blind. I've definitely been on those shows uh, as a guest, and some people do like to have that. You no, know, let's talk about the angle that we're going to talk about, the exact material we're going to cover. Um, as a guest, uh, do you find there's resistance to doing prep calls or is it generally accepted that, oh no, this this you know is going to enhance the eventual quality? I think the latter. I, I feel that, again, every show is different and everybody's approach to how they get ready for their podcast is different. So some podcasters may have a very lengthy intake form when you originally sign up to be on that podcast, they're asking every possible discovery question they can within that form, and that's going to help them prepare. And that's completely acceptable and completely fine. Other people may benefit from, hey, let's jump on a 15-minute call and just get to know one another so we can, A, figure out what we're going to do from a content perspective, but B, also see if we have a little bit of chemistry. Right. I started doing prep calls at the end of last year, and those like 15, 20 minute calls, nine times out of 10 that I've done them so far have ended up as like 45 minutes to an hour sure. talking shop about stuff. They're so much fun. Our our call was that to a T. That's exactly what we did. <laughs> it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. It was funny because it was over the course of talking that we landed on this, this you know, I think it's a really cool concept for creating a performance evaluation rubric. Wouldn't have happened if we'd just jumped on live. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about the other end of it, the actual preparation of like a list of questions or topics that are going to be happening kind of over the course of an episode. Again, this is something that, you know, I see about half the time, half when I'm on shows, some hosts will send, this is what we're going to talk about roughly in order. Here are my notes. Here's what I'd like you to add. And other people are just like, we're going to wing it. 
what, what are what are your thoughts on it? Well, I don't recommend winging it, quote unquote. <laughs> like it's when I think of myself as a host, my preparation is looking at the information they supplied me from my intake form. If we did have a pre-call, great. If we didn't, at least I have this information to go off of. I like to listen to them on other shows. I like to look at their social media profile, their website, get a get a feel for who I'm talking to. Eight and ten points agree. Yeah, like when you don't take that type of time, and it doesn't have to. I mean, you don't have to take days at a time to learn everything about somebody. You obviously feel that their expertise is going to be relevant to you and your audience in some way, shape, or form. So build around that. If you have a half hour window with that person, you want to maximize that time and get the most value from them possible. How do you do that? Look up what they're all about. Look at what they've talked about on other shows or on their social media. Get a feel for their voice. And then as you're building out questions, the way that I prepare guests is that they supply conversation starting questions that can help a podcaster prepare a format that's going to allow them to serve up that question. And you as the guest can ask those power or give those powerful answers and hopefully a good conversation breaks out. You want it to be organic in that respect. So go ahead, Meg. I, I think um, I don't like getting questions fed to me from guests. No? For the most part. I, okay. Like when I get a fishy, like I, 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 I find, because I mean like, and this is going to vary from show to show, of course, but mm. you know, I, I, I've got an audience that we're serving and this is, you, you could be extended out to, to other podcasts. Um, I'm looking for guests or I'm evaluating pitches. Um, I've got a pretty good idea what we want to talk about. So I, I'm sending a guest a list of, of questions. I feel often um, it's not quite a red flag. I wouldn't go so far as to put it into red flag terror territory, but if someone sends me a pitch that's a copy paste of the same three questions that they want every quest podcaster to answer or to ask them so that they look the best, I'm just like, I'm not going to bother. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it means they've got this agenda that's really clear. Um, how yeah. do you mitigate that well, as a guest? I would say from that end of it, when you supply those types of conversation starting questions, it's it's a prompt. It doesn't mean that a podcaster has to use them all. I like to prepare somebody in a thorough, thorough mindset of, listen, give them what they need. If they're brand new to this, maybe this is going to help them. Maybe if they're experienced, they know what they want to talk about. They won't use any of this. But again, it's it's better than just throwing somebody nothing or something that's very ill-prepared and hoping they can make something great out of it. Again, I, I, I guess it's to a small degree dumbing it down to make sure that everybody has the best information in front of them so the best conversation can take place. But yeah, if you've got a very strong grip on what your audience expects of you and they're giving you feedback and love this episode. I loved what you talked about here. And then you start doubling down on content like that. Yeah. You may not need to use those questions, but from the guest side, it's nice to give them a little bit of information that will let them tap into you a little bit more and then let them decide whether they actually work that into the format of your show or not. Yeah. I guess that's coming down to often, again, if you're pitching yourself or if you're being invited, uh, true. Uh, that kind of would be would be a different context. True. And it comes down to the the different type of show again. I think as well, um, because you know if you are you know it, the main goal of the show is establishing this thought leadership. Um, you know what the guest most wants to talk about is very valuable information to take on, uh, because you want to be able to have that that kind of equal back and forth. And on the other hand, if it is more of an informational style interview, you know, as a business owner, as a host, you're going to have your own things that you need to cover and and right. want that to get down. And you know, of course, not introduce your audience to. Um, things that aren't relevant to them necessarily, even if 
their area's particular expertise. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think that from the, the I mean, this is something that we're probably going to dive into a little bit more when we get into the actual call, but I'll touch on this now. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, it because it comes down to that initial prep and how you're going to get the most from that guest. When you're the host, you need to be thinking about compelling, captivating, riveting content. What's going to get a listener invested in your podcast so they listen to the whole episode, they feel a change when it's all said and done, and then they keep coming back for more, and they start turning to their friends, their colleagues, their family, and saying, I just started listening to this podcast. You need to do it too. You need to tune into this. You're going to learn so much. It's so entertaining, whatever the focus point is. That's how you build a show format. If it's surface level, like the example I always use, if you have an author on the show, they've probably been asked, tell me what it was like to write a book a thousand times. Go above that. Go a few layers deeper. Ask them if... Please read the book. Even if you don't, I mean, I was, even if you don't read the whole book, because I've, I've had that, like people will send you this real thick book and you're interviewing them next week. So you're not going to have time. I mean, at least me, I don't read that fast. But I'll read enough to have a feel for what that book is about so I can at least pull a couple good questions about what I read mm -hmm. so I'm having an intelligent conversation because those surface level, what was it like to write a book questions, don't elicit an engaging response. And therefore, when people tune into the show, they're kind of like, oh, this is nothing. I'm not getting anything from this. So that way they, they don't come back when that happens typically. So being engaging when you're building that format on the front end, it's an incredibly powerful maneuver. And if you can get that that guest to tell you a story they've never told before, you've done your That's job. That's a win. Yep. That's absolutely. a win, absolutely. And this comes down again to, you know, the different business podcast blueprints, which, you know, of course we talk about all the time on this so-named show. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the, the types of conversations, the types of information you want to prepare and then also seek from your guest in advance are really going to be different depending on what the main goal of your show is. If it's a relationship building podcast where you're podcasting to network, let the guest take the lead. Um, that's a perfectly appropriate situation, I think, to do that. Uh, whereas, you know, if it is more of an audience engagement or content where you need to get specific information, you as the host have to take the lead. And when it's a more thought leadership or, or IP distribution mechanism, you know, go in there and just have a great conversation and see how it's going to go. Yep. So I think we, we fairly well covered show prep. I'm feeling pretty, pretty comfortable with that. Uh, and you you teased uh, that you had some big things to say about, you know, actually during the call, during the recording. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, like I said, I mean, coming into that initial call when the host, at least I, typically what I do, I, I like to gauge what people have done from a preparation standpoint themselves. Mm -hmm. So the first question I ask is, tell me what you know about the podcast, whether they're doing this booking themselves or whether they are having an agency reach out for them. I just want to know how prepared they are. Have they listened to an episode or two? Do they know the general flow of what we're going to talk about today? That's the first thing I always ask. Then I give a little... guest when they appear on your show? Yeah, when we get together for the... You know, if it's... You know, whether we've talked before or whatever, usually before I get into the specifics the, of the what's going to happen. Yep, I, I ask that question just to see where they're at. Once that's done, I... Say, okay, well, here's here's what you can expect today. And I just mm -hmm. let them know it's, you know, I, I have a few questions in front of me, but I strive to have this be a very engaging conversation. So I'm more of an active listener. Let's just wrap and have some fun today. Looking to go for about half an hour. 
I typically pull a couple video clips, but this is mainly for the audio component. Again, just running down the little checklist of what's going to happen in that little window of time we have together. And then let them know, I, I just launch in with the first question to get the ball rolling. All the intro-outro stuff is later. And so they have a very clear understanding of the path we are going to walk as we start recording that show. And then this is something fun for me. I do get that conversation going. I ask the same question to every guest mm-hmm. to start the show. And it's another indicator as to whether they've listened or not, because the ones that stumble and don't know, well, let me think about that. They've never listened. If they listened, they would know that question was coming. So for me, it's, I want to get my listener to the value as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So I don't spend a lot of time at the beginning with the intro, outro, housekeeping items. Let's eliminate that from your vocabulary altogether. Your podcast is not for housekeeping. Your podcast is for bringing value to your listener. So the faster you can get them to the reason they showed up, the more likely they are to stay tuned in, and then they can get captivated by that content quicker and then stay to the end so your retention rate is higher. They get more invested in what you're doing, and they want to bring more people to listen to your show. So they'll start recommending it to everybody or sharing it on their social media. There's a lot of value in doing that. So that's on the front. Do you think on your show, because you have, so this is a recorded question that then goes out live, and do you think people listen just to see if they can find someone who hasn't done their homework? That's a great question. I don't know. Well, this the, the thing is, though, I edit, and if somebody does stumble, no one ever hears that. It's more for Okay, that's for good. Me. That That's good of you. Yeah, like, because again, I mean, I, I tell everybody on the front end, too, and this goes back to the early stages. This could be in the prep stages and something I usually mm-hmm. back up when I get them in that initial conversation before we start recording. I want you to have the best experience possible today. I want you to sound like a rock star when this is over. And I want you to be proud to share this type of content with your audience. So I'm very meticulous with my editing because of that, because I want to make sure that this product is something they're proud to stand by and refer people to listen to. I just talked about this on Jason's podcast. You should go listen to it. Well, like uh, there's um, so so someone joins on the recording call <laughs> that uh, sort of right before the record button is hit. And then again, after the recording button is hit, that's. I consider that really prime relationship building. Here. Green room, baby. I love that. Exactly. Yes. The magic happens in the green room or One the hallway. The podcast hallway. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> That's you're, You said it perfectly. That is where the magic happens. That's where those relationships start to take shape, and then they can blossom from there. Yeah, and it's nice, too, I think also before hitting record, and I mean, I know some people hit record as soon as they enter the room, and if you are the type of person who forgets to hit record, I respect that choice. Right on. <laughs> it does kind of take... I, I do. I, I cannot but help respect that choice. Um, but I also uh, do find that, you know, the, the pressure is off before recording's on. We've all got, no matter how natural we are, experienced we are, there's a little bit of cameras on. Yeah. Got, got, got a, and so being able to, to get a little time just chatting uh, before that happens can be really, really useful and after it happens as well. Yeah. It's a big mindset shift to... Mm-hmm get out of performance mode and just bring yourself down to that. I'm having a conversation today. I'm going to talk. I get to geek out with somebody in a one-on-one environment about something I'm truly passionate about. And they are too. It's much more easy to be in your natural state when you have that mindset. If you think of it as a performance and millions of people are going to be listening to this, that can throw you off your game fast. And that, that's especially good, I think, for um, guests who are not as frequently on podcasts. When people are going to be a little more more camera or mic shy, mm-hmm. uh, it's nice to give that extra time at the beginning. Yep. No question. Perfect. So let's talk about 
this is an issue that I know it comes up for me all the time, audio quality. Uh, we yes. talked about it a little in prep with, with you know, doing the mic check, the tech check. Is that going to be possible? But uh, when a conversation is happening, uh, what are some of the issues that we should be paying attention to, both as hosts and guests, and uh, fixing them when they inevitably occasionally go wrong? I've, it's there, there, It's a lot of common courtesy, and I'll tell a very quick story about why I'm so big on this. I got invited to a business meeting one time. This was many years ago. It had nothing to do with podcasting. But they said, we want you to meet our CEO. And I, I can't even remember what they wanted me to do. I, I know it was something to do with a tourism angle when I worked in the beer industry. I can't remember the full details. All I remember was the fact that when I sat down with the guy that invited me and the CEO, the CEO never looked up from his phone. Talked to me the whole time, but just kept looking through his phone. I was, so, I was about ready to walk out. Like, why did we do, why did we get together? I feel that same type of courtesy needs to extend into podcasting to where if you're giving somebody a window of time for a great conversation, turn off your damn phone, put it in another room if you can't resist the urge to touch it and don't have it on vibrate because if it, if someone calls or a message goes off, that type of vibration can can reverberate through the microphone and it still gets picked up. So it's, Things like that, notifications. If you can, I've, I've talked to people that have this constant dinging from their email, and they're like, well, "I don't know how to turn it off." Like, really? Okay. These are not the. It's not the end of the world, but it's incredibly distracting, and it takes down that overall quality presentation when the final product goes out. There are times in editing that you can get those removed if you get lucky that the little ding goes off when there's no talking, and you can lop it out. But just as a general rule of thumb, when you come into this, make sure you have a quiet recording environment. Make sure you have your microphone and it's turned on. Mm -hmm. Make sure that your devices, notifications, anything like that are turned off. And make sure you're giving your undivided attention to the person on the other end of the screen. They deserve it as much as you deserve theirs. So it's a two-way street, but to me, these are common courtesy items. And I was like, Show up five minutes early. If you can arrive five minutes early, if there's a potential tech issue, you can discover it and, and nip it in the bud, and then you don't run into the window of time that you have that actual recording, networking, and relationship building can be taking place. Oh, I agree with that one, too. Most of the um, recording platforms that you can use these days, uh, if the host isn't there yet, there is usually a waiting room of some kind that lets yep. you test your mic and video. Yep. Um I don't care how recently I have tested my mic and video. I always test my mic every and time. Video. I do every, <laughs> every time. Single time. Yes, no doubt. <laughs> Better to be safe than sorry. From a tech level, um, when you're talking, uh, you know, as the host of a show, uh, you know, your guests may be too quiet. Their levels may be a little high. They may be coming in a little hot. That's a direction you should feel comfortable giving and yes. uh, be knowledgeable enough as a host. Um, yep. A lot can be fixed in post, but not everything can be fixed in post. So yeah. if someone is, uh, you know, really echoey, if they are coming in way too quiet or way too loud, um, you know, you develop the comfort and the vocabulary um, to be able to say, I need you to turn down the volume yep. or I need you to turn up your gain. Um, mm -hmm. If you've got a producer, they will help you with this. And thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Certainly. I, that's it, it's it's owning your podcast. It's mm -hmm. your production. You should expect to have the highest quality possible. And if somebody's got something happening on their end that's a very easy fix, no one should be offended by that because this is their content too at the end of the day. they You want them to sound their best. And if their mic is too low or they're, they're, there's some sort of feedback that's just not allowing that good quality to come to life, say something. Make it 
the right way, make make it right. So when people do tune in and when it does get to editing, your producers aren't ripping their hair out trying to fix everything in post-production. Yeah, you're helping everybody by saying a couple simple words to get things right. Oh, totally. And, and all of this being said, um, life also happens. Sometimes someone's kid is home and they didn't expect them to be home. Sometimes yeah. the mic just died and they've got a less than ideal one. These things occur. I'll give you a tip on this because this actually happened a few weeks ago with me. I was recording an episode of my podcast and the gentleman told me he said his kid had to be there who was like yeah. two. So he did his part to keep him quiet or keep her, I think it was to keep her quiet. But there were times. And so I, I just worked it in as part of the show and made, I, I made her part of it because I, I'm like, well, there's no way around this. There's no point in getting upset. I want to make sure we get this interview. And he appreciated the fact that he was getting this opportunity to still be part of the show, even though he had his child running around. So you can have some fun with it, but if you can avoid those types of things at any cost, go that route first. So again, so what you produce at the end still sounds great. And I mean, it wasn't like she was crying or screaming in the background. It wasn't like this, because this goes live. People might be listening going, well, I can't wait to hear how you did this. There wasn't anything mind-blowingly bad, but just when the noise did come up, I wanted to make sure that people heard it. It was because of this cute little girl running around having fun in the studio. Yeah. No, but what a what fun way to deal with that, uh, that you know, all-too-common situation. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. So anything else uh, do you think, you know, hosts um, who are hosting guests or guests who are on shows um, during the time of recording uh, should be paying attention to or should be trying to optimize? Well, like we said, making sure that you're asking those engaging questions and, and letting that organic conversation flow. You don't want to get locked into a bullet point list of questions because you may miss something because you're thinking about what you're going to ask next versus what that person says that could lead to a great follow-up or to where you could drop some knowledge and have a great point to add just to keep the conversation flowing. So if you have a few questions in front of you that you don't get to, big deal. No one else is ever going to know those questions existed. They're going to care more about the conversation that took place. So that involves active listening and not necessarily being tethered to a bullet point list of questions, having it there more as a backup and just letting the conversation take place. That takes time and practice, but once you I get comfortable... I going to say, that, that's a little bit of an art form. Is it is. To you know, maintain a structure, mm-hmm. because having a structure, having a narrative arc, and having um, you know, the robustness of content that you want to create within the episode, um, yep. while still following tangents and leaving room for stories, yep. it's as much art as it is science, and, and practice is very much, very much required. Absolutely. But once you get comfortable doing it, it's a skill that you won't only apply to your podcasting, but you'll also apply to conversations you're having with family members, with colleagues, with team members, with potential clients. And it can serve you in so many different ways. So podcasting is a great stage to master that skill so you can use it elsewhere. Perfect. So let's move on now to the show has been recorded. It has gone through post-production by whatever means you do that for your show. Uh, what are the, the different touch points or kind of ways both the host and the guest can make the next part also really, really good? Ah, we've gotten to the part where things usually unravel because... <laughs> hey, you, a little, eh? <laughs> right? Like, this is where when, when you talk to podcasters, they get so frustrated with the fact that they're, they just, they were so excited to put this episode out and the conversation was fantastic. And then their guest, you hear crickets. You never hear a thing. 
Now, I get that that is frustrating, and that's why any guests that I train, you can't be that guy or that girl. You need to be in a position of utilizing this content for the most that you could possibly get from it. That starts with sharing. But I also tell podcasters, listen, if your guest does share, that's a bonus. But, that's, yeah. but to get around that to some degree, the question I ask is, what have you done to keep this relationship going since you recorded? That's a great question. And most will say, oh, well, not much. <laughs> so if you've recorded with them on this day, let's call it day A, and then day B when this episode goes live is three months down the road, if there's been no connection before between those two dates, guess what? They've had many of other many other conversations on a number of different platforms, so your show is now not priority A to them. So they're not going to be as excited. So you need to do your part to keep the relationship building in place. That's where the magic is, and that's where once you get done having the actual recording, those little green room moments that we talked about where you start mm-hmm. plotting and planning world dominance together, <laughs> that's so important. But once you sign off, what's your first step? As a host, I'm going to LinkedIn. I'm, if I haven't followed them on LinkedIn, I, that's where I, I mean, if you, if you follow other platforms or are more prevalent on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, I go to my social media platform of choice and I send them a connection request. I'm going to keep the conversation going on social media. So now I have access to the world to where I can comment on their posts, share their posts, keep the conversation going. Me as a host, and this is something that I only recently started doing and I wish I would have done it a long time ago. Once we're done, obviously I have, I do the LinkedIn step, but next day they get an email from me that thanks them for being part of the show. I appreciate the value that you provided. I want the most people possible to find this show, and that happens when a show gets reviewed. That helps the process. If you could take a few moments to share your experience on Apple Podcasts, here's my link. Greatly appreciate it. Also, I'd love the opportunity to continue this conversation without the task of having to record a podcast. Why don't we connect for, like, I I define it as a meeting of minds. You can call it whichever, whatever you want. I go with digital coffee. Whatever. Whatever, but you're you know, <laughs> taking those steps to continue the conversation and continue building that relationship. Especially if you did have those great world domination talks, you don't want to just let that die. You want to continue that. So having those types of conversations and making that effort, it makes the podcast interview itself very important, but not the only component. There is so much more that you can get from this if you start taking those relationship building steps to heart and utilizing the platform for just that. Then when the show goes live, you've already got a little bit of interaction going back and forth to where it's not this cold, like, like, like they might see and go, oh yeah, I was on that show. Yeah. Whatever. And they just blow right past it. Yeah, and so, also, like, I, mean, I, I absolutely love that um, uh, question of, you know, how are you engaging with the person that you've just, you know, start built the foundation of a relationship with in between recording date and go live date? Because that can extend weeks into months, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how, how, you know, far in advance people like to plan. Yep. Um, and, and I think, you know, having a little checklist of things that you do, uh, whether you use a CRM or, or if you use uh, the, the kit file, we work with them. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, Jenny Blake. Uh, one of the Notion templates she recommends is the, the kit 
system. It's a keep in touch rather than okay. customer relationship manager. It's a nice you know, way to organize, you know, have you made these touch points with people? You know, how, what was the last touch point you had with them? And really keeping top of mind the people that you want to be relationship building with and, and building community with. Um, the social media connections, such a powerful strategy right there. Um, because, you know, if you are promoting your show, you, of course, want to be, hopefully people will listen to episodes, whether the guest shares them or you do, the more people you are connected with there, the better it's going to be. Um, and I, I really appreciate that you said, you know, the guest sharing is a bonus. Uh, I've got a whole soapbox about the fact that your guest sharing is a bonus and not an expectation. I can't think of a worst impression when I'm being a guest on a podcast. And so I was like, oh, and how many social media followers do you have? And how many times do you commit to sharing? It's like none and zero. I'm not answering that. <laughs> it's rude. Right. Yeah, it's, it's irrelevant. Can you say any more clearly, I don't value you for the information you bring to the table, but only for the audience that you have. Like you put up a billboard. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. That that to me, I mean, we haven't really got into metrics, but I can share my take on why I feel they're irrelevant, especially when you're treating this as a networking platform. Mm-hmm. It's all about the relationship with the person in front of you, not this audience they've built. That's all something that can come into play down the road. But if you're yeah. building that relationship with the person in front of you, that can lead to a number of opportunities before the interview even goes live. So your focus needs to be there. Was it one of the questions, and you'll remember this because you, you booked your conversation on, on this call. One of the questions that we ask on the booking form is, if you're able to share, what platforms or materials right. make that the best and easiest for you? That tells us a couple of things kind of as the show creators. One, if we do create this, this will be the easiest and most effective for them to share. So that's what I want to give them. I'm not going to waste my time making other things. And two, where are they likely to be active? Yeah. So I can go be there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great way to get that information. I asked the same thing and I, I learned that trial by, it was trial and error. I was building reels as I got into reels. And that's what I would send and only like a handful would share it. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Maybe it's better if I ask what they want. And that's what I started doing. Now it's part of my intake form. Where where do you plan on sharing this and what type of assets do you need so you can make that happen? Maybe it's just a photo. Maybe I don't have to break my back putting together a clip for you. And it makes your process so much easier because you're you're catering it to what they need. But you, like you said, it gives you insight into whether they're going to share at all. And yeah, and even if they do say one thing, it, again, like I, said, I still treat it as a bonus. If they, oh yeah, I'll share it here and Absolutely here. Absolutely bonus. Yeah, and I mean, you, and and that's a thing too. Like I know that there are guests out there in the outreach process that don't understand what you and I are talking about today. So I hope they hear this and take it to heart, because I don't need when you're reaching out to me for you to say, once this goes live, I'm going to share it on my social media network where I have dot dot 13,000 Facebook followers 15,000 like like I don't care what kind of value are you bringing to my show I need the conversation to be valuable for my audience if you do share to those people great fantastic I'm so glad you shared but I also know how social media algorithms work 1% of that audience is going to see your post unless you pay for ads behind it but most don't do that so and where's the content on the other hand um, that's that's a living evergreen thing within your business and within the infrastructure of the marketing that you're doing. And so this this wonderful conversation that you're having, the the information that you're creating, it exists not only on the social media posts that may or may not go out about it. It's on the blog post about it. It's the podcast episode that people can download forever. It's anywhere you repurpose it. Um, it's anytime you you cite it or tag it. 
uh, in you know future work that you do. So really, it does keep living, and that is, is so much more valuable yeah. than uh, than. I mean, shares feel good. Everyone like everyone likes a share and being tagged. Yeah. And you know, you were mentioned this post. It, it's lovely, yeah. um, but you know, it's not it's not the heart of what makes having a guest on your show valuable. Exactly right. Exactly right. Perfect. Well, we've, um, I think, exceeded our planned time for this. I'm so grateful that you've taken this extra time uh, and to share of your knowledge. Uh, where can people connect with you, listen to your podcast, all of these things? I would say best place to get started, especially if you're thinking about utilizing podcast guesting. I have a free guide that you can pick up called The Absolute Guide to Authority Enhancement. Grab that at enhanceyourauthority.com. And when you do that, you also get access to my private email community where I share weekly trainings and strategies that you can get access to. If you just want to listen to my podcast or learn more about me, jasonsircone.com is the destination to land on. Perfect. And the uh, links to that will be um, within whatever platform you are currently viewing or listening to this episode on. Jason, thank you so much for joining me. This was an absolutely delightful conversation. I cannot wait personally to share it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to have me, Megan, and I promise you I will share it as well. Marvelous. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and being with me here today. I'm Megan Doherty, the host of the Business Podcast Blueprint Show, which was created by the entire team at One Stone Creative. If you're interested in how you can be using and leveraging your podcast as a business owner, then I invite you to check out our twice-monthly newsletter, The Podcasting for Business Case Studies. You'll find a link to that on our homepage, onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E stonecreative.net. We're digging deep into the different ways and strategies that businesses are using to get different kinds of value from their podcasts for their businesses. I think you'll like them, and I hope that you check them out.